Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. Welcome to another week on the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. This week, again, we are keeping with our New Year theme of digging into all of the hard things. Learning to Slay the Beast is all about working on the challenging things that we're working to overcome. And in this new year, I thought it would be great to dig into some things that maybe we have been putting off. Maybe something that we want to solve or we want to work on, but we weren't there yet. So this week, one thing I thought would be really great to move into is pain management. Many of us are familiar with pain. It can have many roots like a chronic illness or maybe an accident or be associated with age. And today we're going to learn about ending that pain for good with our guest, Fran Garten. Fran is a pain management coach for women who want to get rid of their pain forever. Through her no BS coaching, her mastery of movement modifications and online workouts, she adds laughter and fun to your life and shakes up your approach to movement and pain management while making it feel like you've always lived this way. Today, we're going to talk to Fran all about her ideas to help with pain management, some of the triggers for pain management, as well as the impact of inflammatory foods, which is something I'm interested in, given that um, I've given up gluten and dairy myself to help with pain, and then just the various tools that she recommends in her practice. So please enjoy this conversation today with Fran Garten, pain management coach. Do you love the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast? Well, first of all, thank you so much. Second of all, if you love the podcast and you want more and more to keep coming, I would love your support through Kofi.com. Kofi.com is a way that you can put a little money towards your favorite podcast. It can be as little as a few dollars, one time bunch of times, whatever you feel that you can give, and it helps to cover all the costs that go associated with podcasting. So if you would like to support this podcast, please consider donating through Kofi.com. You can find the link in my Instagram feed under Linktree. It's at Sarah Lady Gluten, or you can visit Kofi, K-O- hyphen fi.com slash learning to slay the beasts. I appreciate your support, whether you can give or not. Thanks so much for listening. So welcome Fran to the podcast. I'm happy to connect with you today. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. It's exciting to be here. Great. So why don't we start with you providing your background and then how you got into coaching and training? Okay. So my background really is I was an adult educator with the school board for about 16 years. So I had a great career there. And um, I started playing roller derby. So uh, that sort of led me to becoming a certified personal trainer. But at the same time, um, work stress was increasing all the time. Mm -hmm. and 
you sometimes, <laughs> frequently, I think, uh, when you work for somebody else, you don't really have control over the things that are being asked of you. You just got to kind of follow what you're being told. And with school boards, you know, it's based on curriculum and funders and all those kinds of things. So that put a lot of stress on me. And as a result of that, I actually ended up losing my vision in one of my eyes. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I ended up in bed for four months and, um, they didn't know what was going on. They thought it might be cancer, some kind of brain tumor, MS. There were all these different things. They, they mm-hmm. really couldn't figure it out. And eventually, um, after many tests and appointments, I got to an ophthalmologist and, and he told me I had what was called central serious corneopathy. <laughs> I'm sure I said that wrong, but it's CSC. And so basically what it is, is that the fluid builds up underneath the retina and it just distorts the vision and then the fluid leaks through the tissue and then that causes this lack of vision. And normally what happens is that people um, actually are fine with it and they don't even know they have it because the other eye and the brain work together to correct that. Mm. And my brain and my body decided that it was not going to do that. And so that's how I ended up in bed and with vision loss and literally, um, four months in bed with and with a migraine to go with it and it sounds like an exaggeration but it's not (laughs) and the the cause of all of that was stress at work and so after that happened and I regained the vision in my eye um, I decided that I was going to leave full-time teaching and I went down to part-time and then I slowly started to build up my coaching and training business and then I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia and osteoarthritis. And so then I was having tons of pain in my body and, you know, extreme fatigue and sleep loss and memory loss. And it felt like shooting electricity going through your arms and legs all the time. And uh, that really was those two events, like being diagnosed and the vision loss were sort of the things that pushed me to actually focus on my health and wellness even more. And I tried so many things to deal with the fibro and the pain related to it, but it really was doing a lot of inner work, healing myself, releasing emotions, changing what I was eating, increasing movement and trying different kinds of movement that really helped me manage my fibromyalgia and really eliminate the pain. And, um, I managed to get off all my meds, so I don't take any meds at all. Um, Once in a while, maybe an ibuprofen, but that's about it. And in 2019, I decided to leave teaching completely and focus solely on my training and coaching business. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. Wow. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. So the vision loss then, like it came back then once you reduced the stress, like as you were off. For a while, is yeah. that kind of what happened? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it did come back. But to be perfectly honest, um, the ophthalmologist told me it's very common in people who are have high stress level, real type A personalities, and real mm-hmm. go getters kind of thing. It's very common, and he said um, it's actually more common in men than women. And uh, the vision loss, like the vision came back, but even now, 
I've just this past year had a bit of a flare up of it. Um, not as bad as before, but there's a bit of blotchiness in my eye. Um, so there's no real way to cure it. Um, stress obviously makes it worse. So stress is just the big, the big thing that causes so many problems in our life. Absolutely. As someone who struggles myself with chronic stress, I, I totally can identify and, and with your story just generally, because I know I have an autoimmune condition. And so yeah, it, it just it causes so much more issues um, to come and, and can be so challenging. So why don't we dig in a little bit to pain? So during sort of your journey and the work that you've been doing then um, as a coach and a trainer, what have you really learned in terms of the root causes of pain? <laughs> I love that you start with the easiest questions at the beginning, Sarah. <laughs> I love it. So the root cause of pain, you know what? There are so many things that lead to pain. Stress is, is one of them. And if you have some kind of condition, like, like you and I both have, st stress causes so many um, flare-ups and pain to increase itself. You know, food causes pain, anger, injuries, you know, overuse, underuse, poor circulation, your fascia, the connective tissue in your body is not healthy. It doesn't get blood flow. That causes pain. Not dealing with your emotions and like suppressing them that causes pain. So there are so many causes of pain. And that, you know, I think that's one of the things that lead led me to really focus on the coaching aspect and not just the physical training aspect is that mm -hmm. there's not just one thing that causes pain. And we have to look at all the components and all the aspects of our life and, and do what we can to, whether it's reducing something or eliminating something so that the pain that results um, is minimized. Right. And, like pain is your body's way of protecting itself. Like it really is. Right. And so when you have some kind of like, imagine you feel stressed. Okay. What happens to your body when you feel stress, you tense up maybe in your upper back, maybe your low back, maybe your jaw, your breathing changes, your heart rate increases. Like all of those things are preparing your body to protect itself because it doesn't know what's going to happen. And so when we, when we think about pain, there are so many different things that contribute to it that you can't just take one thing out. So for example, change your eating and then that gets rid of all of your pain. No, that's a component of it. So when I coach people and when I work with people and even my own work, you have to do all the pieces. You can't just do one piece because it's not going to solve that pain puzzle if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Like, so it's almost like a pain management lifestyle kind of yeah. thing where everything's kind of coming together. That does make sense. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I guess it just made me think that, you know, that's probably why a lot of people go into physiotherapy and things like that. And they think, yeah, I'm gonna all of a sudden feel better. But if there are all these different pieces, they're really missing parts. And that's why they maybe don't get Yeah. And, and so and this is not to, you know, I'm not critiquing anybody at all because everybody that's out there all of us we all have our areas of expertise and we all come to a problem with our own opinions and experiences and perspectives and so you know yeah when you go see a physiotherapist physiotherapists are awesome like they do so many wonderful things for people but 
if you're only like, think about it from a muscular point of view. If, if something is tight, okay, so I have a, I don't know, a sore low back, let's say, and I go to my physiotherapist, they can give me some exercises, maybe to strengthen those muscles or to help release those muscles, which is fantastic. But if there's other things contributing to that inflammation in the area, so maybe the food that I'm eating, it doesn't matter what the physio is doing. If I'm not changing what I'm eating and helping my gut and intestinal health be healthy, right, and positive, and um, then it's not going to have the same effect as if I were doing that, right? The physio can only do so much. So it really is important to look at things from a holistic perspective. So physios are great. Osteos are great. Massages, like there's all of them are good. And you should have, we all should have sort of a healthcare team that can then help us address the different areas of our lifestyle that might need attention at a given time. Yeah, I totally agree. I often, you know, even talk on the podcast about sort of having that team. So I think that makes a lot of sense. One thing I am hearing more and more in so many of the conversations, though, is this emotional part that, you know, your emotions might be felt in your body. And so can you go into that component a little more? Like, how do our emotions then cause pain? Yes. So, okay. So it's not, it's not really the emotions causing pain. I love, these are just hard questions, Sarah. It's not really <laughs> the emotions causing the pain. It's actually the resistance to feeling the emotion or suppressing them that causes the pain. Like, like think about when you, I'm going to use stress because this is common for everybody. Like think about when you're stressed, positive or negative, it doesn't have to be negative, but you have stress. And what happens is your muscles tense up right? Yeah. And they, and this could increase pain, you might, you know, get that pain in your neck, or you might start to sweat, right? So your body responds to that emotion. And if you don't allow yourself to feel the emotion, so let's say I'm very, you know, afraid of something, if I don't allow myself maybe to cry, or if I'm sad about something, I don't allow that emotion to come out, I actually keep it in my body has to do something with it. And whenever we feel these emotions, okay, and stress is the example we're using, my cortisol rises. Well, when your cortisol rises, this causes inflammation and pain if it's if it rises and keeps high over an extended period of time. So, you know, we are we are taught, I think, and I'm speaking from my experience maybe, but I think sometimes we're sort of not maybe directly taught, but maybe indirectly taught, don't show your emotions and don't let people see that you're vulnerable and, and those kinds of ideas that are sort of told to us indirectly, maybe not in words, but maybe in actions, right? So then you, you, you have these feelings and you have to do something with them. Like your body has stores them somewhere, right? Like it can't yeah. just, you can't just be sad and then go, okay, I'm good. It, it's about really realizing that, okay, I have this feeling of sadness. What is happening here? And, and acknowledging it and feeling the feeling. Because if we don't, we just bottle it up. Like imagine, I, I think of an example of, you know, when you have, ha you're feeling stressed. So I'll use my work example. I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling overwhelmed and I don't say anything about it. And then one, and I'm just pushing it down and keeping that emotion and that frustration packed in my body, right? So then my body tenses, I get more pain. But then one day what happens is I'm talking to a coworker 
and they say something to me and I lose my mind. <laughs> like, right. like there's yeah. a huge blow up and the person's looking at me going, what is happening right now? And I don't know what's happening right now, but what's happening is that your body has decided it's not keeping the emotions anymore. It can't take it anymore. It has to come out in some way. So it can come out in pain. It can come out in, let's say, arguments. It can come out in depression. It can come out in all these different ways, but we need to acknowledge these feelings, right? And these emotions and allow them to be instead of pushing them down or ignoring them. And I think that's what a lot of people do is that they just don't deal with them because there's a difference between recognizing, facing, feeling, and just forgetting about it. And a lot of people think that when they forget about something that it's gone and it's not gone. They just buried it. And so I do a lot of work on forgiveness with my clients because we think we've forgiven somebody, but then when you actually talk about it, you get upset about it. Well, you can't have forgiven them if you're still upset about it because there's still an emotion attached to that person or that event that happened. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no. And I think um, you're right. Life moved on and it's like, well, maybe you've just started doing other things, but yeah, that thing is still bothering you. So, okay. That makes sense to me on how kind of emotions come into play then. Um, And then the other thing that you mentioned as, you know, a factor is inflammatory foods. So I wondered if you could expand on how that really impacts pain. um, And then maybe, you know, how, what do we focus on then instead? Yeah. So when you're, When you're eating something that's inflammatory, your body is fighting against it, okay? Because it's not healthy for it. So your your immune system and all the the blood cells and everything are trying to get rid of this toxin in your body, basically. And so that causes inflammation because inflammation, you have to remember, inflammation is a good thing in a way because it, it tells your body that something is happening that shouldn't be happening. There's something within your system that shouldn't be there. And basically the immune system turns on white blood cells come, they surround the area. Maybe you get like a red swollen area. If you, if you've banged your hand or you, you um, it gets hot, right? So that's a kind of inflammation, but the body's trying to heal itself. It's protecting that area so that it can start to heal. But when we're constantly eating foods that are inflammatory, so I'm going to talk about the furious five. They're the big five ones, gluten, dairy, sugar, soy, and corn. Those are the big five inflammatory foods. And the more you eat them, the more they affect your gut health and the intestinal wall line, the, the stomach, you know, as you go to the bathroom, how, how... <laughs> I hope this is okay to say this on your show. Like, how is it when you go to the bathroom? How's your poop? Like, that's an important thing. And people kind of forget about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so what's going on in your system internally um, affects your body and the amount of pain and inflammation that you have. But imagine if I'm eating, let's say I'm eating gluten and every day I'm eating gluten. Well, it takes the average person four days to digest gluten. And that's if you don't have an intolerance to it. So if I eat something on Monday, I'm still digesting it on Thursday, but I ate gluten Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So it just kind of compounds itself. So your body's in a constant state of inflammation, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does for sure. And and that's something that I was experiencing. And I 
um, I'm, I'm gluten and dairy free. Um, yep. and I find those to be really key, key issues for me. So yeah, it totally yeah. makes sense. And, and that's very similar with autoimmune conditions, yes. um, as well. Yes. I just want to add, like when it comes to like the structural part of the body, so our body's made up of fascia. So all the connective tissue in the body that surrounds the muscles, the cells, the muscle fibers. And basically like if I'm moving my hands, that ability to move the, the hand and to bend and stretch and, and do all the things that the muscles are supposed to do. It, it, I have that ability because the fascia is healthy. There's a lot of blood flow going to that area, but if I'm and and fascia should slide. Okay. Against as the muscle fibers move, it slides and the muscles move freely. But if I eat food that's inflammatory and sugar is one of the big ones that really affects fascia, the the fascia becomes like Velcro and it sticks together and then it gets less blood flow. And then when I try to move, I have a pain because I'm trying to move a muscle or a muscle fiber in a particular way, but it's, it, it can't because it's stuck. There's too much inflammation there. So then I have pain in my body. So that's another thing to consider when we're talking about the pain and body and the body is that your fascia needs to really be healthy. So my number one piece of advice for that is please foam roll your body <laughs> because foam rolling gives blood flow to the muscles. And um, it's really, really important to keep the fascia healthy. It, and, and I mean, of course, changing the things that you eat, of course, as you well know, right, uh, makes a huge difference in how your body feels. Yeah, absolutely. And and I do find sugar to be probably the more challenging of those just because it is in so many spots. And then we've got all these holidays that seem yes. to focus on sugar. And yeah. so yeah, I can totally see that. Um, so foam rolling, is there like a certain area we should work on or? Whichever area is hurt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like don't, so, so I would say the biggest thing, don't roll over, don't do the back of the knees. There's a lot of things going on in the back of the knees. So please avoid that. Don't do the low back because that's where all the organs are. So, so remember foam rolling brings blood flow to an area. So we don't want to bring more blood flow to the organs, right? So we want to be mindful of that. And we wouldn't roll the neck or the head. Um, because again, there's a lot of things going there and we're bringing blood flow. We don't want blood to go up to the brain there. And, and cause it can be, um, intense, um, if, especially if you've never done it before, but it is a fantastic modality that anybody like anybody can use. I use it, my seniors foam roll. So mm -hmm. it doesn't, it, and it's simple to do. Um, so I strongly encourage that just to keep the fascia healthy and, and moving and, and getting blood flow in there. And it helps with inflammation as well. There's so many benefits. I, I could do a workshop for you on Seraphone. On I, I'm a huge proponent of it. <laughs> no, that's, those are good tips. Cause I know I have one and I've done it, but I'm always like, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be doing here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Send me a message, Sarah. I, I'll do a, a private uh, demo for you. Like, will you do a 20 minute hop on zoom? It's there's so many things that you can do with foam rolling and there's lots of different techniques and many people do it wrong, which is why I actually teach workshops on it. Um, just because it's, it's an underused modality mm -hmm. that can really make a difference. And, and cost effective, right? Like, Oh gosh. Yeah. And like I said, anybody can do it. And if you don't have a foam roller, it's fine. Get a tennis ball, roll, roll up a, a towel, like a small hand towel or a face cloth, roll that up into a ball. Use that 
and put that on the trigger points on your body. So even if you don't have a foam roller, there are lots of things you can use around your home to do the rolling as well. Are you looking for a way to satisfy your sweet tooth without the filler? Try Monk Pack. They make keto granola bars and keto seed and nut bars, as well as protein cookies. They come in plenty of flavors like the almond butter cocoa chip keto granola bar and the caramel sea salt keto nut and seed bar. They're great tasting. They're plant-based, gluten-free, low sugar, non-GMO, and no sugar alcohols. You can just enjoy these freely. You can go ahead and visit Monk Pack. Monk is spelled M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com. And in order to get a special discount, you can use my discount code REALLIFE15, all one word, to get 15% off your order. Visit monkpack.com today to try all of these amazing low-sugar products. Great. And so with the inflammatory foods, do you then in your coaching help to redirect um, clients in terms of choosing new foods? I know it can be overwhelming to kind of all of a sudden go from what we, you know, maybe traditional type diet to, okay, you're gluten-free, you're dairy-free, you're sugar-free. Like there's a lot of things to consider. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, the thing, I mean, I've been gluten-free for like 25 years and dairy free. Like it's just kind of the way it is now for me, but yeah, it is very hard. So when I'm working with my clients, I really do guide them. Pick, I tell them, pick one thing. If you want to avoid sugar, pick sugar. If you want to do gluten, gluten, if it's dairy, just pick one and stick with that one. So anytime I'm helping my clients and guiding them and making different choices and new habits, stick with that new habit, that one thing that you've decided to do for at least a month. And then from there, you reassess. How do you feel? You, and track it, right? Write it down. How are you feeling? What What are the responses in your body? What's your pain level like? How's your sleep? Like all those components. And after a month, then maybe, maybe think about adding a new change because it is very, very overwhelming um, trying to get rid of gluten and dairy. I mean, it's way easier now than it was when I went gluten-free 25 years ago. Let me tell you, it's like there's gluten-free everything everywhere. Right. But um, yeah, don't overwhelm yourself. Make it simple. I I like to make things simple. So I tell people, pick one thing, stick with that for a month. And then from the and then we'll move forward from there. Yeah, that makes sense. And oh, for sure. Like I know, I think the first time I tried to make this change was maybe about 15 years ago. And it was like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, go and buy like rice pasta. And there was like certain things, but it it's totally changed now. It's like a whole new, whole new world. Um, but you know, that being said, then you get into more of the processed kind of foods, which have more sugar and things like that. So it, it still, you know, yes. Um, it, it requires care, I guess. I would say. It does. And thought, right. You have to plan yeah. it out, you know, like, and the thing is too, sometimes, like I said, make it simple, mm-hmm. pick your protein, have two different proteins in the week, pick some vegetables that you're going to eat. Olive oil is a fantastic anti-inflammatory. That can be your, your, your dressing or you can cook with it or whatever. Like make it very simple 
and don't get overwhelmed with anything fancy. And then from there, then you can start adding more things. But yeah, you're right. Like what people do, which is a huge mistake, is they just try and swap out. Okay, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat regular bread. I'm going to eat rice bread, or I'm not going to eat these noodles. I'm going to eat these noodles. Well, they're process. It's processed, right? Mm-hmm. So the more processed you have, the worse it is for your gut health, which then increases your pain and inflammation. So whole foods are the best, right? Non-processed are the best. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes even the same for sugar-free. You know, you can go to all those sugar-free things, but yeah, it's it's still probably not going to feel great. Mm-hmm. Um, so beyond the food changes, I'm wondering what are some of the key strategies that you are using with clients in order to help them minimize their triggers? Right. So the the most important thing really is that people need to identify what the triggers are. What are their triggers? And so for my clients and and myself even, track it, write it down, grab yourself a journal and write stuff down because you don't know what's happening. Journaling is a fantastic way. I have all my clients journal. I journal because you can kind of, you think that you're going to remember things, but then when you actually try to remember them, I don't know about you, Sarah, but I like go, what, what happened yesterday? Like yesterday. So yesterday was Thursday, right? I spent all of yesterday thinking it was Wednesday. And then I was with a client and I said, are you going to work tomorrow and Thursday? She goes, tomorrow and Friday. She goes, tomorrow is Friday. I'm like, what? She goes, tomorrow's <laughs> Friday. I'm like, oh my, I lost a whole entire day. So write it down. <laughs> Just write it down. So that's great. Identify your triggers. And then about what are the emotions that you're feeling? Because sometimes what we do is we jump from this is this is my trigger and then let's get rid of the trigger. Well, how about you look at the emotion attached to it? So food is a great example. If I'm going to get rid of my gluten, now I just replace it. Well, how do you feel about getting rid of the gluten? Because you might have some anger issues there, or you might feel resentment, or you might feel like you're missing out, right? Or you're deprived of something. So identify the emotion that goes with it. And then the next step, you know, think about why you're doing a particular behavior. So if you know that sugar gives you inflammation and pain, why are you eating the sugar? Because there's a reason, right? And that's where the emotional thing comes in. And that's where when I'm working with clients, we do a lot of things with forgiveness because I had a client tell me today that she was, her mother limited all the sugar that they ate. They never got anything sweet. They never got treats, cookies, cakes, whatever. And then when she moved out of her parents' house, that's all she ate. That's all she ate. And she gained tons of weight because she was never allowed to have it. And she was angry at her mother for it. And so just going through that whole process of acknowledging, yeah, she was upset about it. And that's why she's eating this food that is not good for her body because she feels she missed out and she's angry at her mother and she was getting back at her mom. And I, and, and you got to kind of go through that whole process and work through that behavior pattern and why you're doing it. And then you can change it through new habits. But until you understand what's going on and why you're doing the things that you do, uh, you can't really change those habits and you can't get, sorry, you can't get the results that you want moving forward if you're not acknowledging the emotions and and the whys behind why you're doing things, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think then also when you're exploring that, you can kind of then have that compassion for yourself too, to be like, oh, I'm not, you know, really consciously self-sabotaging. Like there's 
there's something there that's happening and, and it's probably very helpful and enlightening. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and you know, when I talk about forgiveness, it's not always, it's not always about forgiveness of other people. It's forgiveness of yourself. And like you said, compassion to yourself, like the person that I was 10 years ago is different than the person that I am today. And the person 10 years ago is, is there's nothing wrong with that person. I just would like to change some things maybe moving forward as I build my future, right? And to acknowledge that that person that I was 10 years ago is very important to building me to who I am today. So we have to release that. We have to thank that person for being there and teaching me the lessons that I wanted so that I can now move into whoever I'm going to be today. Um, so it, it's a it's a lot of work. It's hard. Um, we, we do mirror work. Um, we do visualization. We do some Reiki. We do some neuro-linguistic programming. We do a lot of different kinds of things. Affirmations are really good. But the, the most important thing with anybody that I work with is that they really have to be willing to go on the journey. That that's the ultimate thing, because it doesn't matter what it is you want to achieve or change. If you're not willing to take the journey in whatever capacity that, what that, whatever that looks like for you, you're not going to get to where you want to be. And it's hard work sometimes, right? Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't sound like, you know, okay, I'm just showing up for some train sessions or something like that. It's like really digging in. And yeah, that's a commitment for sure. Mm -hmm. But it's so good on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) So I keep telling it's so good when you get to the other side. And I see, you know, the thing is, I feel I feel so blessed to be able to help people like truly, and to see all the things that they can actually accomplish when they really set their mind to, oh, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, or this is a pattern I want to change. And then actually, you know, being there to help them through that process, it's amazing. It's just amazing to see the things that I've seen. No, that's great. And so it sounds like you have a real kind of combination of tools in your toolbox, like you mentioned Reiki and NLP and affirmations, journaling, and then strength and foam rolling. Like, how did you put together... Um, this combination of things, is it stuff that worked for you? And then you've, you know, kind of moved them towards other people that way? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's things that I did. Like I went through this journey. I had a coach that I worked with and went through a lot of things with emotions and forgiveness. And so some of the stuff that I did, you know, to to help with my fibro and stuff, that was stuff I did on my own. And it was more the physical things and it was more the nutritional piece. But then I only got so far because I didn't do the emotional piece and I didn't do that forgiveness piece. And uh, so then I was, I worked with a coach to help me go through that process as well. And I just kind of went, Oh, this worked for me. And Oh, that thing over there worked for me. So then I put them together into a program that I use with my clients and everybody is different. You know, like some, I have a client who's, you know, her second time with me through my 12 week program. And we did, we touched forgiveness in the first 12 weeks that we worked together, but we just were going into our second week and now we're digging in hard to forgiveness because she came to me and she said, you know what? We did not do as much of that work as I had thought we were going to. And to be honest, she wasn't ready for it because you have to be ready and you have to, as a coach and working with people, you have to be able to gauge, you know, when are they ready for it? And you can suggest it. And like I said, we, we kind of dipped her toe into it. And then 
the coaching took a different path and she wasn't really ready for it. So now we're ready to dig in and she's ready to do the work. So you have to be ready to do the work. You you have to be, otherwise you just can't get the results that you want. You run into a barrier, right? Because your mindset changes and you're like, nope, I'm not, I don't want to deal with that. And, and, and sometimes it is dealing with things that, you know, you don't want to deal with or that you've suppressed or that don't make you feel good. Cause sometimes it's yucky to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And I mean, I can see when you're maybe feeling like newer in that relationship with, with your coach. And then, so maybe over time it's like, okay, no, I'm ready to, to work through some of this stuff. Right. Kind of, kind of like therapy, right? Like I think, you know, you don't dig, dig right in right away. So that probably makes sense. Some people are more, a little slower. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and you, and some people, you know, they've done a lot of work on their own already. I've had clients that have come to me and they're like, let's go. I'm ready. And I'm yeah. like, okay, well, we're in week one. Let's, they're like, okay, no problem. You And, but really by the time we hit to the third, third coaching call, they're like, let's dig in. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to dig in because they've done some work already because you don't have to be with a coach. It's just nice to be with one, to guide you, to be there, to support you. You know, when, when, when things get a little bit tough or you're not sure about what to do, it's great to have somebody on your, in your corner to just give you that support and that encouragement um, and to help guide you. But, uh, you know, a lot, like I said, I did a lot of work on my own, but I only got so far and then I needed somebody to help me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, you're totally right about the coach piece that because when you're making a change and you're waiting a month or two months or three months to like, okay, maybe I'll see a difference from this. That can be a long time if you don't have somebody encouraging you or checking in. So I can yeah. see that's really valuable. Yeah. And it gives you an accountability and it gives you, you know, the thing when you have a coach, if you don't do the work, you got to tell your coach you didn't do it. Like if I give you homework, Sarah, and then we have our call next week and I'm like, so Sarah, did you do your homework? And you're like, no, I didn't. I'm like, and why not? (laughs) So just having that person that you have to have to give that reason and and the reason or excuse that you give, I'm going to go, that's not good enough, Sarah. I'm sorry, but, you know, we had an agreement. Right. So you feel that that responsibility by having a coach that that's there, that's going to call you out when you didn't do the stuff you're supposed to do. Yeah. That's not the role of the coach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For sure. Okay. So I guess before we wrap up, I just wondered if there's any either additional tools or kind of last advice that you want to mention to listeners. You know, there's lots of great resources out there. Um, I like, so I'll give you a few things. I, I like Louise Hay. Louise Hay, you can heal your life. She has amazing resources. Um, I also really am a fan of Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He has an amazing book called Becoming Supernatural. He talks a lot about thoughts and pain and our mind and how that affects our body. Uh, there are so many things out there. I would say the biggest piece of advice well no I have I have four pieces of advice okay (laughs) number one don't just read the books or go to the seminars or do the webinars do the work because you can read all the books but unless you actually do the work you're never going to get to where you want to be so don't do it on the surface do it deep right find somebody who resonates with you Find someone, you know, who you trust and feel comfortable with, you know, like some people love Tony Robbins. I'm not a huge fan of Tony Robbins. He doesn't, I mean, he's fantastic at what he does. Obviously he's been doing it for like 40 years, but he just doesn't resonate with me. His style does not resonate with me. I don't feel called to do 
things when he tells me or when I read his books. But he, a lot, millions of billions of people love him. He's fantastic. So find someone who you feel that some sort of res, resonation with, and resonation. I don't think that's a word. Uh, you resonate with, <laughs> um, and and work with them. Right. Let them help you. The other thing I would say, you have to to get through it. You have to go through it. It's one of my common phrases that I say all the time. To get through it, you have to go through it, and it it's tough whether it's the workout and you're sweating and you're doing something that your body doesn't normally do, or you're doing mindset work or forgiveness work or whatever, you have to go through it. You have to, right? And then the last thing is small, consistent steps are the way to get to whatever goal you've set. Don't make big, huge things. Small, consistent steps will always get you where you want to go. That's great. Those are super um, tips to live by. I think those are great. And I totally agree about the resonating piece. Like Mm -hmm. I've read different books and I'm just kind of like, yeah, this didn't really hit. Um, and then, yeah, you have others that you feel like invigorated and Mm -hmm. kind of action oriented about. So that Mm -hmm. that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, I'm sure listeners are going to want to find out more about you. What are the best ways to connect with you either online, social media? Yeah. So um, I'm going to direct everybody to my website. So Fran Garten Coaching, www.frangartencoaching.com. There is a free pain quiz on my website. And this will help you identify maybe um, different areas that you should be looking towards to help with your pain management. So it's a free quiz that's there on the website. And if people are interested, they can follow me on Instagram at Fran Garten Pain Coach. And those are probably the two best ways. And as always, I like I have all different social media and all this, but those are my the website's good, that pain quiz, and I'm on Instagram a lot. Um, and listeners, feel free. Send me a DM. Like I'd love to chat with you. I'd love to help you. You know, I feel that people should live a pain-free lifestyle. And I think that it is possible. I know that it's possible because I do it every day. And um, there's no reason why people should live in pain. And if you, and I don't want anybody to feel that that's all there is for them is to live in pain. Cause that's, that's totally not true. You can live pain-free. I do it all the time. <laughs> it's my way of life. <laughs> That's great. That's super inspiring. Thank you so much for joining us today. I think you've given a lot of actionable and um, tangible tips. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that people will want to definitely check out that free pain quiz to see how they can get started. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was so great to chat. And I hope that your listeners get some value from the information that I provided. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Sarah. I wrote a book. I'd love for you to check it out. Pendulum by S.E. German is available now. Pendulum is a heartwarming story that follows a young boy who experiences mental health challenges like anxiety, OCD and depression, ADHD and tics following an infection. It turns out he has a little known disorder called PANDAS. 
The book follows the young boy as he struggles with his health issues as well as regular middle grade issues and it can act as a wonderful catalyst between you and your children to talk about mental health issues and other things that are going on in their life. Pendulum is available online through Amazon Worldwide, Barnes & Noble, the Friesen Press Bookstore, and a number of other online retailers worldwide. And you can check out Chapter 1, the audio version of Pendulum for free on the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast in Episode 64. I hope you enjoy Pendulum by S.E. German and let me know what you think. Thank you so much to Fran Garten for her time and telling us all about pain management. It was a great conversation. I have been using my foam roller ever since we talked. Last week, I was having a bunch of pain because I've been um, exercising like crazy. I got a new Peloton spin bike. I've been weightlifting. I got my treadmill fixed, so I'm back back running. And I noticed some real tightness in my hamstrings and different areas last week. And I thought, you know what Fran would say? She would say, get out that foam roller. So that's exactly what I did. I thought it was great advice. And honestly, I did feel so much better. I loved um, her talking about different tools that she's into, like Reiki, affirmations, journals, as well as um, some of the book recommendations that she had too. And of course, digging into inflammatory foods. So I hope this conversation was helpful and that you do check out more about Fran on her website, frangartencoaching.com or Instagram, Fran Garten Pain Coach. And Fran was so nice. She does listen to the podcast. And so it was um, wonderful for me to interview her for that as well, because I just thought it was really nice to hear from somebody that's listening and enjoying the podcast. If any of you are enjoying the podcast, I'd love to hear from you as well. Please feel free free to reach out through Instagram at Sarah Lady Gluten. And I hope everybody is uh, making it through this winter time. It's been wicked cold here in Canada, but I just, I'm seeing that the days are getting a little bit longer, that, you know, it's not dark quite as early as it was in December. And that's giving me a little hope for the future. Also, I guess we'll see on Groundhog Day if uh, we're going to have an early spring or not. So I hope everyone stays well and we'll see you next week thank you for listening to the learning to slay the beast podcast please keep in mind this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice if you'd like to hear more from me you can follow me on social media instagram and tiktok at sarah lady gluten or facebook sarah underscore gluten free lady You can also visit my website, which includes author information, speaking information, and more info on the podcast at www.se-german.com. If you like the podcast, please feel free to review the podcast on your favorite platform and also subscribe because it means that it will show up for you every week on your favorite podcast platform. Also, we've just started to have the ability to support the podcast. You can find this link in my Instagram bio or visit ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash learning to slay the beasts. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.